Billy. Yes, sir. Don't kick the church. It's religious. Man, I was born ready. She. Crazy day. Right? This is one of the movies I wanted to do, but I didn't want to do because it means more than other movies. Man, you know, what? Right, exactly. When I thought about it, I was like, what? Yes. Man, I've got a All question right. for you, though, Billy. I'm ready to answer. Do you know any virgins? Yes. I'm a virgin. Except for whiskey. Well, but that doesn't count. <laughs> yep. All right. So I'm, I gotta get the energy build up. I'm sorry, dude. Been oh, a long dude, day. Get it up. Been a long yeah, day. Yeah, do it. I'm like pumped. I'm happy to be here. Right. I'm ready to go. I got the my headphones on. I got yes. my my mic, Sam, right in front of me. I've got my laptop. I've got my water. I've got my notes. Notes. Oh. Let's ride. Wow, gone in 60 seconds. Yes. Really? Nice. All right. Sweet. Every episode needs to start with Nicolas Cage. And now I am ready to go. I'm pumped up. All right. Heck yeah. I didn't even have to play Lowrider on that one. You were ready. <laughs> no, you didn't. Nice. Okay. I had it playing in my head, though. I got you. Let's ride. Let's ride. Let's do it. Let's do it. Hello, I am Joey Parr, the host of Secret Level. And joining me today is the silver bullet himself, Billy Fisher. Once again, thank you for having me. I always enjoy being here with you, sir. Yeah, the silver the, bullet. The silver bullet. That's a good movie, too. It's your, also your new nickname. I'm going to take it. Sweet. Yep. Should. Take it with pride. It. I will. Heck yeah. <laughs> it's the only thing that can kill a werewolf, bud. It's true. But yep. is it, though? I mean, you know, there is. there are two ways to kill a werewolf. One is oh, a yeah? silver bullet. What's the other one? Exactly. Yep. <laughs> well, we learned that kicking him in the nards doesn't do it. No, it does or not. Shoving dynamite down his pants does not do it. Wolfman's got nards. Man, the... that is one of uh, probably the most iconic <laughs> movie lines ever. Ever. As a kid, how many times did you say Wolfman's got nards? It was non-stop it was nards this nards that right oh by the way everybody forgot to mention if you haven't been able to tell already we are going to be talking about monster squad one of the best movies ever made oh yeah freak yep. man freak i love this movie when i was a kid right I wore out the VHS tape that I had of it. 
I was that was the only movie I ever wore out the VHS tape of. And then you couldn't find it anywhere forever. Never. Never. You were lucky it, if you got to catch it on some kind of cable network. Right. Well, see, that's what I recorded mine off was, was HBO. Okay. And I watched it yeah. well into my teens. And then, yeah, I just remember I broke it right before I moved out of my house. Like, I was watching it one last time at the house, and it broke. So you recorded it from HBO. Yes. I take it you didn't want to spend the $99.99 on a VHS tape back then. No, sir. No, sir. Neither um, did your parents, I'm sure. No, they did not. <laughs> so I grabbed It's always it crazy to me that like VHS tapes were like 100 bucks back, way in back the, then. Yeah, way back then. Yeah. Makes zero sense. Yes, but I mean, now they're back up there again, and certain VHS tapes are worth a lot of money. I guess. But you, you have no way of watching them anymore, so I mean, there you go. So Wait, you're, right, you're telling me you don't have a VHS player? I actually do have See? one. See? See, there are one. ways uh, to play VHS tapes, Billy. There you, are you ways. Out, called me out of my bullcrap right there. <laughs> Dang it. I actually still have a one of the little TV VCR combo things nice with like the, the 12 inch tv that's awesome it's funny when i go yep. to my parents house to visit uh-huh. in the basement uh they have the whole setup of the old vhs rack right uh-huh. Uh-huh. from when we were growing up and the vhs rack still has all the original vhs tapes that we used to watch when we were kids and and there's so many of them that are just labeled Seinfeld, Seinfeld, Seinfeld. We have like <laughs> <laughs> we've yes. got like fifty tapes of recorded Seinfeld, a of ton course. of Disney movies, Braveheart. So this is the basement <laughs> that you let me sleep in without telling me it was haunted, and let me find out for myself. Yeah, that was fun. I'm glad. Yeah, that. Yep, you're gonna leave it at that. Speak, well, while we're on the subject, Billy, let's get into the pleasantries, shall we? Yes, let's All right. do it. So you, you brought up ghosts. You Heck brought yeah. up the ghosts. I did. So my brothers and I were invited to go to... <laughs> <laughs> of course you were. <laughs> Wherever it is, of course you were. <laughs> this, this old 1909... Pioneer home out in okay. Utah when I was out visiting gotcha. family. Uh, mm-hmm. One of my brother's friends bought it. They're renovating it. And they've been having like creepy things happen as they've been doing this. And they know that we just kind of have fun with this stuff. And so they're like, you know, they invited us over. Come on over, check it out, see if you can find anything. So we went over, uh-huh. you know, with our amateur <laughs> cheap ask ghost hunting equipment <laughs> it may be cheap bro but it works <laughs> it works it works and they're like the attic just spend time in the attic okay and this attic hasn't been like i mean it's it's an attic from 1909 i mean everything is like original like the wood is like old it's there's like crazy old stuff 
in it, you know? Mm-hmm. There's a second level where they've like, we've never been up to the second level in the attic. We've just been in here. Uh, we found this painting and we will not take it out of the attic. We won't take it out of the house. The previous owner had issues with it and believed that the painting was haunted. Okay. And so they put it in and they're like, find it, pull it out. Do you think? And it's just a creep. So we found it and it's, we see this creepy old painting of like this little girl that looks like an adult. It's kind of like, it's almost like that painting from pet cemetery of, of, of a cage. Oh oh, yeah. 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 yeah, Gage. And he's got that blue suit on. Right. So it's kind of like that. And we're just, it is just creepy. Anyway, so they let us come investigate this house. We caught a couple orbs on camera, which I'll have to show you. It was really weird seeing that mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, we got some strange voices on some recordings. We got some guy saying Paul, which was weird. Hmm. Huh. What were, if he's saying We heard little... Par. We, <laughs> dude, maybe, bro. Oh, shit. One of them said Ian's name. See? My brother. Mm-hmm. And then we heard like little kids talking. So it was weird and creepy and cool. Right. You know? So So you could say the painting is like a certain mirror that we know that brings ghosts with it well, into new build houses. I'm not quite convinced that the painting was haunted. Okay. I think that might have, it was a creepy looking painting, but I'm not convinced it was haunted because all of the activity we caught was away from that painting. Hmm. Okay. So, still right. caught, caught some cool, unexplainable stuff, but. Uh, I'm excited to see it. Yeah. I'll have to show that to you. I'm going to throw it up By the on way, our TikTok. Th- I was just going to say that Jesse is obsessed with your TikTok right now. And and everything that you do, yes. Are you serious? I am not even a joke, bro. I showed it to him, and he just scrolls through every video, and he's like, why aren't we there with them? That's amazing. Yeah, Jesse's Billy's son, for those of you. He's 11. Get that, yeah. That's awesome. So he's excited. Okay, so you were on the haunting, like the little haunting side of life. Yeah, I was, you know, doing a little ghost hunting. I like it. So uh, Jesse and I were doing that at this um, observatory this last week. Oh, cool. Because it's the observatory in Flagstaff, Arizona, where they discovered Pluto. Ah, yes, Pluto. The planet yes. that's not a planet, but is a planet. Right. <laughs> and trust me, we talked about that a lot, but there's the place is clearly haunted. Like, Sweet. there's no... like. In the room where they discovered the telescope is that they discovered Pluto on, you can just feel it. Like you just, there's more than just the people you're with in the room with you. What if? Uh huh. What if the ghosts Uh are from Pluto? I believe it. Yeah, you do. Yeah, I do. So yeah, that was it. And then to prepare for this this week's podcast. We're going to talk about this a lot, but this movie means more. I, th- I believe it means more to Joey and I than most other movies that we've talked about. Yeah, it, it's interesting. I I don't know why. I, it was kind of one of those movies that we really had to 
be ready for before we record it. I mean, it was like, it's always been on our list. We didn't know when we were going to get around to it. It's one of our favorite films as kids, but, you know, we kind of wanted to do it when we were a bit more established, but we just, you know, we're still, I still don't feel like we're established, but but I, I just this movie has been eating at me and like, I've been wanting to talk about it. So, so here we are, we're doing it. We're talking about the monster squad. Yes. The monster squad. Would, okay. So I did listen to Salem's lot to get, I was going to listen to Dracula, but I went with Salem's lot cause I prefer it as a story better. Okay. And because one of the most iconic t-shirts in all the world is in this movie, Stephen King rules. So Stephen I figured I, King rules. Yep. I, I had to start with a Stephen King story, so I listened to to Salem's Lot to prepare. Nice. And then we dove into it. So uh, were you able to get a, a plot, a synopsis? Yeah, it's very brief, and it's pretty huh. much the movie in a nutshell. <laughs> I believe it. Five youngsters find themselves up against the combined might of Dracula, the Mummy, the Gilman, and Frankenstein's monster who arrive in town in search of a magic amulet. That's pretty much it. Wow. Yeah, it's not not beefy. No. Just kind of just kind of there. I think youngsters was the most flourish they put into that whole thing. <laughs> I know. Right? Five youngsters. Um, you you yeah. young whippersnappers <sighs> out there trying to freaking kill monsters. So, there's a lot in this movie that even to this day resonate really deeply with me. Like, okay, so Joey and I grew up in California. My, when I moved there, when I was in 1987, when I was almost going to be nine years old, my first week in California, my neighbors took me to see this movie. I was, and it was probably the most impactful movie in my life up until that date. Cause I was like, your neighbors. Yes. Are you talking about, the Bakers. Rick Baker. Rick Baker was one of my neighbors growing up. Yes. I'm, I I tried not to name drop this whole time, but yes, growing up, <laughs> Rick Baker was a neighbor. He had a full gorilla suit from Gorillas in the Mist, the full working one. He had every head of every monster up on every wall, and probably one of the coolest people I've ever met in my life. But was yes. it him that took you to the movie? No, I oh, wish. Okay, I okay. wish. Because that uh, would have been would, awesome. <laughs> but he did. I mean, I look, I think about it now, and probably in this day and age, it wouldn't be looked highly upon, but he would let us come in, me and the neighborhood kids, and like do a tour through his house. Yeah, and show us no all the way cool they'd stuff. let us do that these days. No, no, no. Everybody's so protective of their kids, they'd be like, ah, I need a tracker on them. But no, <laughs> we'd get kicked out at eight o'clock in the morning and told not to come back till it was dark. So. We did what we wanted to. Yeah. Mm. But no, I saw it, and ever since then, it was an empty theater. It was just me and the next-door neighbor kids, and... Well, it had already been out for a while by the time you got there. Right. It was at the... It might have been. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. So I did get to see it in a movie theater, but it, it wasn't until it came out on HBO and I recorded it is when I really got into it. Yeah, same here. Watching the movie theater, I I honestly don't, but I don't remember when I got the VHS. It had obviously it had to have been at some point 
in the land of VHS, but I didn't really recognize it. Or it was one of those films where I saw as a kid and I remember mm-hmm. Wolfman's got nards. And I remember the Virgin talk of the Virgin and sacrifice. And like, you know, obviously I remember Frankenstein and Dracula Gilman and did I say Frankenstein's monster? Yes. Okay. Um, that is and the mummy. Uh, I remember that whole team up, but it wasn't until I was in high school where I started to remember this movie, and that's when I started to search it out. Mm-hmm. And I kept like I had, I couldn't you know I was like I remember the name, but I couldn't find it anywhere. And then finally I, you know, things started clicking as I started like trying to figure it out, and then. I found it. I found a VHS, and that's when I watched it again for the first time since I was a kid, which is crazy. There's just uh, years without me having seen it, and I remember watching it again as a teenager and just being like completely blown away. Like, how did I lose track of this movie? <laughs> right. And why? Why did it take so long for me to find it after all these years? And then once I had it in my grasp, it was like I was watching it all the time. And yeah, Mm -hmm. it was great. And yeah, I think that was like eighth, ninth grade around that time is when I managed to grab a copy of that. Find it. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it was weird. It was a weird copy. Remember, it was like the European copy or whatever. Something. Yeah, something weird about it. But whatever. It was what it was. And I enjoyed the hell out of it. Yeah, I mean, it was, yeah. And I was showing it to everybody I possibly could because a lot of my friends at the time, and you know this, they didn't even know what Monster Squad was. They they had never seen it before. They were just kind of like, Monster Squad, what's that? And that's kind of one of those things that kind of followed me all through even early 20s where people were just like, Monster Squad, what's that? You know what I mean? And so it was just one of those films that I loved introducing people to for the first time. Right. But now right. there's there might actually still be a couple people that I know that haven't seen it. Which is unfortunate, but we're definitely going to have to make sure that we fix that. Yeah. For them. For sure. I mean, this is this I mean, it was such a fantastic movie. It's was it Shane besides writing Lethal Weapon, it was like Shane Black's first movie that he wrote yeah because he was writing it before lethal weapon lethal weapon came out and then they filmed monster squad yeah exactly so if you're a fan of shane black i mean kiss kiss bang bang is probably one of the best movies out there iron man 3 amazing i actually like (laughs) iron man 3 i'm one of the few i enjoyed it but i mean so but it was set up to be amazing but it came out too close to another movie. Yes. Shot the Lost the Boys. How do you go up against the Lost Boys? You can't. You can't. But Especially the thing if, is, if it was a toss-up anyway. I mean, either one could have been done well. But the marketing for Monster Squad uh, sucked. Like, they didn't do a very good job of marketing it. Right. And I don't know how you screw that up. Like, you, that is such an easy movie to market. Uh, but I guess they didn't know how to market it to kids and to get parents to take their kids 
to this movie. It was PG-13 at the time. PG-13 was kind of a big deal back then. Right. You know, parents were flip their lid when you're like, oh, I'm going to go see a PG-13 movie. Now what? Wow. That's well, exactly what At least what I know some said. parents were like that. Mine, mine didn't care. And if they did, yeah. I just went out and saw the movie on my own and managed to figure it out. Right. But, right. Uh, man, that opening scene, though, of, of the Monster Squad is just right. so crazy. And it's just epic. I mean, you watch that in... You know, it's kind of similar to as when I was rewatching it again. I was like, "Oh man, this is kind of similar to like the start of Captain America, right?" The very, you know, yep. the, yep, the first absolutely. Avenger, right. and I'm like, they had to have been inspired by Monster Squad when they did that because mm-hmm. there's a lot. Yeah, it just wasn't the amulet it that they were after. It was the uh, the Tesseract, right? So, so it, they just switched it up. And, yeah, exactly. But and that opening scene was so cool, and it just it, it automatically. I mean, it just grabbed you and then shook you, and it's like, oh, you watch the rest of this movie. Well, I mean, just the just the intro when they're talking about Dracula and how Van Helsing would and his squad run his way their way to kill Dracula. Yeah, and they blew it. <laughs> I know. I mean, just that line. I was like, "Okay, here we go." I and and I love that scene where they're like, they you know they've got the virgin right, and she's mm-hmm. reading the text, <laughs> and, uh-huh. and you've got Van Helsing. <laughs> this what and it does this great line where he's like, "Read, or we're going to die." <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. I just love that. Read. Dude, it was intense. You got skeletons popping out of the, the ground. This poor girl's trying to read the text. And my favorite part is too, she reads the text, text opens up the the portal to limbo, and she gets sucked in first. I know. <laughs> she didn't want to do this in the first place. Exactly. And she's the first one to go. And then there was a, yeah. I and then there was the thing that kind of always. I remember it, it's kind of always kind of bugged me a little bit. Not bugged me, but like, look, Dracula starts off as a bat, okay? He's got oh fur, he's naked, and but then like when he turns, all of a sudden he's just fully clothed in this Dracula garb, you know, that classic Dracula outfit, and you're just like, right. where did that come from? Well... He's and Dracula. I, you know, it's whatever. It's it's monster. It's the Monster Squad, and it's the '80s. But like, still, whatever. It's still kind of just funny. It's like, do the clothes like materialize with him? Are they like always on him? Kind of thing, right? Yeah, well, they had they had to do it that way. Otherwise, it would have been rated R. He would have popped down just naked. Man, did you watch the movie? It's very close to like. <laughs> okay, and that's okay. So, so before we get started in all of our favorite gory and funny details we have to remind you if you've never seen this movie before there's some trigger warnings in it it there's language used that we don't use anymore it's okay. it's it's offensive like it, in today's world it's offensive but when i was a kid growing up it's like that's just how kids talked right that, that was, was like your... true to life like 
that's how kids talked. Right. And it's a kind of interesting to look back on this movie and to and to see that. But before we get into that, just a, <laughs> just a couple little tidbits that I wanted to go through. Let's do it. Uh, there's a scene near the beginning of the movie where Sean walks in and he picks up a carrot off the counter. He stops. He starts eating it. And the mom grabs the carrot away from him. <laughs> like, how dare you eat this piece of vegetable? <laughs> and like, it's it was so funny because usually they do that with like cookies or candy bars. But I and I noticed this this time that like it's a carrot. And she yanked it away from him like it was the worst thing that he could have been eating at that point. Right. I just thought that was funny. Just a little observation that made me laugh this time around that I never really noticed before. Yeah, but that scene in general, she gives him, hey, somebody said this is Von Helsing's book. Here, take it. Give me that carrot. Take this book. I don't know. You know, it's great. Uh, yeah, it, there's just some backwards things in there, but it's great. And... I didn't. I guess it never clicked two and two together before that. The the mom in Monster Squad is also the mom in Goonies. Like, yeah, I was like, what? Which I don't know why it never clicked, but it did this time. I was like, holy crap! Now I love Goonies. Goonies is another all time favorite film of mine. And I was actually right. thinking about this while I was watching. I'm like, why? And I kind of lean toward Monster Squad a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why is that? And I think it's because I can relate to the kid. Like when I was a kid, I was able to relate to them a lot more than I was able to relate to the kids in Goonies. Mm-hmm. These were like, it, they, they kind of grew up in an air, more like an area that I was growing up in. They talked more like I talked. Right. I don't know what that says about me, but I was able to, you know, connect with them more. With them a little bit more. And plus, yep. I was into monsters at the time. Like, I loved the Universal Monsters growing up. And so, that was another thing. I mean, it was the Monster Squad. Like, I wanted to be a part of the Monster Squad. I wanted to fight monsters. Right. Yeah. And, and in our minds, we could do that. And I think that's what it was that fulfilled that fantasy for us. Because we always thought, in that situation, I would be that guy. I would be Sean. I would be Horace. I would be Patrick. I'd be one of those guys not scared. Well, scared, but not scared to not move into action. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's one of those things. And I realized, so Sean was always the cool one. Patrick was always cool. But I always related to Horace a little bit more in the movie. Yep. And I think one of the things that bonded me to him more and this time even as i'm you know in my 40s i'm still bonding with a 12 year old character that i understand we this is the first movie that i ever watched that you get to see a character level up yeah you know what i mean he had a great story arc from the beginning to end and that so when we cover this we're gonna tell you the point where he actually levels up but he starts as the noob and he ends up you know, he ends up the badass. Yep. So, all right, let's start this off. I kind of want to start. Why don't we go through some list of of offensive things from the film that? Yeah. So we I mean, came across. Yeah, we're not going to actually say them, but there's things in here that you're going to see, you're going to hear, and you're going to be like, "How did they get away with it?" 
back then, it wasn't considered bad. It wasn't as considered as bad as it is it, now. Because it, it just was the way it was back then. It was just a different time. And you all know this. If you're listening to this podcast, you know this. You know 80s movies, and you know that. So whatever. We're going to talk about it. So, uh, yeah. Like it or not, it was the 80s. <laughs> right. Kids used certain homophobic words to belittle other kids. And yeah, I, I, I can't even tell you how many times like I was called some of those words or I called people those words. It was just one of those things that like, I don't know. I don't know. It's like I was a kid. Everyone else was saying it. I didn't know what I was saying. I didn't even know what half of them meant when I was growing up. You know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, now you look back, you're just like, whoa, whoa, okay. Crazy, right. crazy. But like at that time, it wasn't it, looked like I, no one taught, light. no one told me, no one taught that stuff to kids. Like uh, saying that's like not good. You know what I mean? No one right. said anything like that to me when I was growing up. It just but, was normal, right? Which is weird because now it is not normal. Hundred percent, just like nope. No, there's no way. You're, you're getting away with saying these words out in public or showing it in a PG-13 movie. There's no way. Yeah. And then you've got Sean's friend Patrick mm-hmm. who spends most of his time in the treehouse with a camera pointed at the upstairs window of the neighbor's house where Patrick's high school sister gets undressed. He's a peeping Tom. On his own sister. On his- so here's the thing. <laughs> this is what gets me. So they, they uh, a picture is taken of her taking off her robe. Uh, Rudy brings it back to the gang. And of course, Horace and Sean are trying to get it. But why is Patrick trying to get it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Why? I, why? I don't know. It's, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. It, it, I never, like it never clicked before. And now I'm like, oh, that's just, eh. It's weird. <laughs> it was a little weird. Then, mm-hmm. of course, there's a ton of bullying in the movie. Like, mm-hmm. bullies are just very prominent in this, especially against Horace. A lot of fat kid jokes right off the bat. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, everyone called him, the, like, the bullies just called him a fat kid through the whole time until the very end, right, where he leveled yep. up. Yep. <laughs> they called him a fat kid. What do you say to him? My name is Horace. Awesome. I love Hell it. Hell yeah, bro. Oh, man. Best line. I mean, there's lots of great lines in this movie, but just the fact that he he took that back. Exactly. You can't be my bullies anymore. And of course, it has to be freaking, what's his name? Shish kebabs and wieners. The Wonder um, Years guy. Harvey? Yeah, Jason Harvey. Jason Harvey. Played Fred Savage's older brother in the Wonder Years. Yep. Dwayne. Wayne. 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 Haha, <laughs> Wayne. <laughs> What Wayne. Yep. So Wayne gets his comeuppance once again. But yes, there's. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about Horace, or um, his name was Brent Calum in the movie, or his his name was Horace in the movie. Actor's name was Brent Calum. Yeah. But by far, he was. I, I I never noticed it before, but as much as he whined and he cried. When Dracula had Sean by the throat, 
Eugene just sat there and cried. What did he do? Pulls out a slice of pizza and slaps it against Dracula's face. <laughs> I was like, hell yeah, bro. You, you know, you may be scared going in, but you stepped up when the, the time was right. Hell yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of back to Patrick's older sister. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they needed her help at one point. Remember that? <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Because they thought she was a virgin, right? Mm-hmm. So they needed her to read from Van Helsing's diary in order to blow a hole in limbo, right? Right, right. Okay. They have to blackmail her with her <laughs> nude photos mm-hmm. to get her to join <laughs> and help them. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Like, well, it's normal for kids. I got these photos of you and if you don't help us, oh, man. Well, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Back then, they would say things like, that girl's a slut, and slut-shaming was a big thing, and it wasn't looked at as a bad thing to do to somebody. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know? So all these problematic things came in through here. Um, of course, comes out, she's not a virgin. Yeah, she hooked up, she hooked up with Steve. Yeah, so it didn't count. It didn't count. Nope. Yeah, so... But yeah, the, no whole, more. the whole virgin thing is kind of interesting in and of itself because, I mean, have you? Have, I don't even know if we've seen that plot device used in any modern films. I can't quite... No, because... Yeah, the, the, the whole slut-shaming thing went yeah, out the window. Exactly. It's not, it's not available anymore. You can't use it, yeah, you can only, which is good. You can only do that... Movies of the past. Right. You can just say, yeah, it was the 80s. <laughs> it was the 80s. It but they even the did 80s. it before the 80s, though. So that, right. you know, that whole thing is just kind of almost as old as time. Right. right? Those stories. Yeah. Virgin sacrifices and stuff like that. It's crazy. If it is used as a plot device, it's more to make the person more evil. Like whoever's doing it makes sure. them more of the bad guy. So. Yep. And we're not done there. Oh, We've no. We've still got one more. You've got Eugene. Good Eugene. old Eugene. <laughs> the the whole member. movie. He's yep. wearing a Confederate soldier's hat. With a Confederate flag on top. Yep. Yep. I mean. I didn't know get... any kids that wore Confederate soldier hats, but. Uh, no. Yeah. there's <laughs> that, was, I mean... that was kind of interesting to see because it, it wasn't a big deal. Like when I. Obviously, when we first saw it, again, it was the 80s, and we didn't know, and no one, it was just a Confederate hat. The guy, the kid was like a, uh, in the military and stuff like that. It's just something he had, right? He just, and he wore it all the time. But yeah, that would not pass in today's standards for sure. No, and but, I mean, if you look at Eugene's room, when he's writing the letter to the, the army guys. Yeah. Eugene was the ultimate fanboy. He had Incredible Hulk wallpaper. He had Spider-Man pictures all over his walls. Yeah. And so I'm just kind of adding that up to maybe he was also a Dukes of Hazard fan. And at that time, the General Lee was considered cool. Yeah. And so, I mean. But I mean, right you hear about that. this. I mean, back in the day when we were taught this stuff in history. Well, even then, right? He's a little kid. He hasn't even taken Civil War history yet. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like, it was just this 
probably cool hat that he saw. He's like, I like this. So I'm going to wear it. Right. I don't know. Yep. And don't get me wrong, guys. I mean, we watched a documentary called Wolfman's Got Nards, and Shane Black, the writer, and Fred Decker, the director, both admit certain things in there were triggers, certain things in there are aren't cool. Like, they're not... Yeah, when they and when they hold screenings of it, it's like it's kind of like, hey, before you watch this, there's some stuff that might offend you. Yep, trigger warnings are made before. It was the and, '80s. Yep, yep. But we're not we're not excusing it by any means. But we're just letting you know the movie is good. Oh, one there's other just, thing. One other thing. Oh, actually, yes. Freaking Dracula, dude. <laughs> Dracula. <laughs> Picks oh, up and Phoebe. Phoebe by the chin, mm-hmm. and he lifts her up to his face, and he's like, "Give me the amulet, you bitch." Yep. I'm like, you just called a five year old. Yeah, bitch. you told. He said you called that five year old a bitch. Yep. What? Oh, that was like, man. and and I will say, even as a kid, I was like. Mm-hmm. Whoa, whoa. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, yeah. that's hardcore, dude. Yep. So, calling a five-year-old a bitch, I mean, yes, at that time, I was like, oh, Give this movie is... Give me the amulet. Man, and he just says it so, like, forceful and and sinister. Like, like he hated her with every fiber of his... Dracula being, you know what I mean? It was just like oh, he, it came out with so much hatred, <laughs> right? But he was a fantastic Dracula. He was. He was so good. Oh man. So yeah. So those are all the trigger warnings we want to warn you. If you haven't seen the movie yet, that's in there. And for a kids movie, there's a pretty high body count. So it, many it cops is, die in it? the movie. <laughs> man, the coroner driving the van, he's dead. Cops, cops getting good. blown up. Right. Man, it was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's intense, man. It it was like I was watching. I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, this is violent and so violent. Yeah, okay, it's, it's, it's a perfect eighties movie. It is, and that's the thing. It was marketed towards kids. It was more of a kids. They were trying to sell it as a kids movie. Yeah, and it was right, but it was like a dark kids movie yes it, it was, was it was dark like there's scenes like where dracula is half transformed from a bat into dracula as he's dying and it's like that's a pretty intense image bro i mean yeah that i'm just like wow wolfman getting blown into pieces I'm like okay i was nine years old when i saw that movie I was like, man. But, I mean, there's also a lot of... They touch on a lot of sentiment, too. Like, I mean, I didn't catch it until probably I was a teenager when Scary German Guy, you know, they're like, man, Scary German Guy's probably fought monsters, too. And then he said, honestly, I have. And he shuts the door, and he's got his tattoo on his arm. Yeah, yeah, he was... uh, I remember that, because they... When they shut the door, they showed the wrist, mm-hmm. and when they you can see the concentration camp tattoo, 
Mm-hmm. And when they say that about the monsters, he's like, now that you mention it, I suppose I do. Yep. He knows monsters. Yeah, but again, like like you, like it wasn't I didn't really notice that when I was a kid, but when I watched it again later on, I was like, Oh wow, that's like kind of like a little powerful little thing there. I kinda right. and- kinda liked it. I liked yeah, it a lot. Not kind of. That was kind of like the thread through the whole thing because it was the don't judge the book by the cover type of thing. Yeah, because everyone thought he was the scary German guy. Right. And no, it was like it was like the monster next door. Don't go. You know, everyone had one in their neighborhood. Don't go over to that guy's house. He's the creepy monster. Or that house is haunted. You know what I mean? The witch's right. house. The witch's house. I was just gonna say that. <laughs> yep. But they break that barrier. Like you can't you can't judge a book by its cover. Yep. He maybe he didn't want to know everybody because of trust issues. He you know how you know the things that he went through. Yeah, he's one of the most sympathetic characters in the story and he plays a big role in helping save the day. Right. Same with Frankenstein. Yes. You know? Frankenstein's Frankenstein. monster. He never wanted to be a bad guy. He was just doing what he was told. Yep. And then when he's given friends, he fought till the end, which Frankenstein's monster has always been my favorite monster out of the universal monster movie genre. So it was good to see him put in a better light. Yeah. So I, I just want to talk about everything in this movie, but we've got to try to put it in some kind of order. So I know here we but, go. But kind of going back to Dracula when he lifts mm-hmm. up Phoebe, that whole scene was done in one take and in preparation for it the dracula actor duncan rager he wouldn't wear his red contact lenses and he wouldn't wear his fangs around ashley who was the five-year-old that played phoebe because it scared her too much but he had to wear it for that one scene at the end where he picks her up by the chin so for the scene the director told Ashley just to scream once as the platform raised her. And she asked, well, when do I scream? And he said, oh, you'll know. (laughs) (laughs) So when the platform raises her to Dracula's Mm -hmm. face level with the, you know, with him holding her on the chin and they proceeded to shoot, Dracula opens his eyes and like shows those freaking fangs and that scream was genuine scream of fright. In fact, on the first take, it scared her so bad that she only got out half a scream. She went like completely like her. She lost the the she lost the energy to scream because it was so bad. Yeah, it, it just I mean, it I, just drained her of whatever she had. That's how scary it was. It drained her of all adrenaline and just knocked her voice out. Right. So Andre Gower, the guy who plays Sean in it, said when you they were all standing there watching it happen, and when she got that first little scream out, he said her whole body went like into shock. Yeah. And they didn't think she would do it again. And then yeah, it, it, he explains it in uh, Wolfman's Got Nards. A great documentary about the movie. Check it out. But yeah, I just thought that was crazy. That scream of just terror. I know. Oh, man. It was intense. When it comes to the monsters of the movie, they originally wanted to have the iconic universal monsters. Like Mm -hmm. those classic designs of Dracula, Wolfman, the Mummy, 
and the creature from the Black Lagoon. Yep. So it's explained that the challenge was to suggest those classic creatures without really copying them because they didn't have the permission or the license to use those specific images of those characters. Yep. Uh, so Universal obviously was not going to let them do it, so they had to kind of figure it out on their own on how they were going to handle these creatures in the movie. And they basically had to, the universal is like, look, you can use the monsters. They're, they're, they're free game, right? They're, they're classic Mm -hmm. characters. You just can't use our creature designs forms. So they came up with their own and I loved what they came up with. It was a challenge form to figure out exactly what they wanted to do with the Mm -hmm. creatures. But what they ended up doing was great. Like I love the design of Dracula. I love the design of Frankenstein. Wolfman was awesome looking. He just had this burliness to him that I that I liked. And freaking the mummy was absolutely terrifying. Right. The mummy was like, I think one of the scariest ones. Like that was crazy how well that that uh, character was put together. Yeah, and I like they they had a different feel to them. So, like, yeah. the creature from the Black Lagoon, also known as the Gilman, or Gilman. Yep. He was way more terrifying than the actual creature from the Black Lagoon, in my opinion, because the creature kind of had a more human face, and Gilman had more of, like, an aquatic, like, fish face, like, kind of piranha type of face that just made it more... A little bit more scary to me. But yes, all of them had a design that was frightening. Yeah, it, yeah, they said it was frustrating at first because they wanted to do the original designs, but they couldn't. Uh, they could only suggest the design. So the Frankenstein monster looks a little bit also like Boris Karloff's creature, but instead of bolts in the neck, they put the bolts in the forehead. Mm-hmm. So they just switched some things up like that. Right. And there's a certain percentage, I guess, of changes that they had to make to steer clear of any legal issues of copyright infringement. Yeah, and like you said, the mummy was like like a zombie mummy. Like, it was crazy. Like, he's got parts falling off of him. He's got the walk where he's, you know, that one arm is just always held up. Like, if he moves, it's going to fall off. And, oh, man. Eugene's dad didn't believe that he was standing in the closet. <laughs> dad, there's a monster in my closet. <laughs> I love that scene so much. Yep. But yeah, the designs were great. I loved the designs. I could, I could go on all day, but we'll, we'll leave it. And there. that was I all, all that. the creatures were done by Stan Winston's studios and his, and his crew. Yep. And I guess uh, Stan was actually pretty hands-on when it came to a lot of these designs. And he was also involved with getting the performances from, I guess, those actors in the suits on set. Like he was mm-hmm. there like doing stuff. Um, it was unusual for him at the time to actually go around sculpting and painting things. But one of the people that he worked with said that he remembers working on the Frankenstein makeup and mm-hmm. Stan came to the makeup room to check it out. And he said to him, I'd love it if you could 
paint a set of these and give me some ideas. And he seemed genuinely touched that he wanted them to be hands-on involved and lead in that way for him. So that was kind of a cool little thing that Stan actually like put in some, put in some work onto these, onto these monster costumes. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. And they kind of, when you watch the documentary about it, you see how they did it and they wanted to make them different than any other iteration of these monsters that you've seen before. Yeah. And I'm, Oh man, when you're nine years old and watching it, those things creep you the hell out of you. Well, Stan even sat down with them and they just sat there and painted Frankenstein all afternoon. And the guy said, I was so happy to be sitting here painting makeup appliances with Stan Winston. Like who wouldn't be right. I mean, absolutely. This is, this is the master, right? This is the guy who, who makes magic for real. Yeah. I mean, we're lucky to live in an age where Stan Winston was still able to work his magic. And when it comes to the monsters and the actors and stuff, Andre Gower was working with the actors who played the monsters, but he never saw them out of character. Does that make okay. sense? Like he, yep. when he was working with these guys, he was always just seeing them as the monsters. He never saw the people underneath the makeup. Right. He said, we never saw them out of character, out of costume or makeup. I had to go home and I had to go to my local video store to go rent Manhunter so I could see what Tom Noonan looked like because I'd been working with him for like a month and a half and didn't know what the human being looked like. Once I did that, I joked that I wish I had it because he's scary as shit in that movie. (laughs) Yeah, Tom Noonan was the Frankenstein's monster in Monster Squad, but yes, he played a very good bad guy. But yeah, you would have never known. So... In addition to sculpting Frankenstein's monster makeup, Tom Woodruff Jr., he also played the role of Gilman in the movie. It was his debut as a suit performer. And... (laughs) I mean, yeah. I mean, if you got the chance to be in the suit, do it. But now, like, that was the first time he'd done it, but now he does it all the time, apparently. He's always... In something. In something these days, doing crazy monster stuff. He says, I'd had the guys do a body cast of me because I'd plan on building my own personal gorilla suit, which was something I'd always wanted to do. So this body cast was just there sitting there in the shop. And so they basically used that body cast for the Gilman mm-hmm. costume. And it's crazy because the Gilman costume mm-hmm. was insane. So it looked great, but oh, it did. It was a one. It was a one-piece suit, though. It wasn't like there were zippers or anything on it. Like they had to like wiggle his way in there, and he had to. It was basically the way he described it is it was glued to his body. Mm-hmm. Like that is madness. They, they <laughs> getting into this skin-tight costume, and then basically having it glued to you. Not only that. The guy had to spend 15 to 16 hours a day in that suit. Mm-hmm. Whoa. With the hat, with, you know, and it's the same thing with the, um, with the, the mask and stuff. Like, he wasn't able to take that stuff off. Like, the hands, the feet, the head, everything was covered. It basically glued to him. Mm-hmm. Oh. And he yep. shared this, ex- this 
excruciating experience. It would have probably scared the living crap out of me. Well, it did mm-hmm. him for sure. But one day after a sh- after a shoot, he's been in water, so he's kind of wet and he's doing this thing. He goes uh, to his dressing room to lay down for lunch, and he falls asleep in the suit in the dressing room. Mm-hmm. He wakes up. And his body is locked up in this suit. <laughs> he doesn't know where he's at. He's just very just all over the place and is just completely claustrophobic. And he starts to have a panic attack. Of course. Heart starts like thumping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And he, oh, Oh, because it's like he's in a latex suit that is glued to him that is also soaked in water. So it's like everything just froze. Nice. And he had to like talk himself down out of the state of panic that he was in. I mean, that's understandable, man. I mean, the suit was fantastic. But yeah, when they talk about the making of and you see how the suit Essentially is once you get into it, they glue the feet onto you, they glue the gloves on, and then glue the head, and then that's it. You're in. Yeah. So yeah, I would have freaked out too. Yeah, that 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 would have uh I you know, there's there's things that scare me. Mm-hmm. Like heights mess mm-hmm. me up. I I don't know how I would do in a situation like that. I've never been in a situation like that. I feel right. like I could take it, but I don't know because I've never been put through the test. Absolutely. I kind of want to be put through the test to see what would happen. Should we get you a Gilman suit? Yes. I want Let's a Gilman suit. I will do that for Halloween. Yes. <laughs> yes. But yeah, that was that. Well, just the suit that, as we're ta- while we're talking about Gilman, that suit in general, like, set the standard for for all this stuff, right? The same guy who designed that suit actually went on later to design the sea creature in Del Toro's Shape of Water. Shape of Water, which is yep. cool. And so it's like you see like where this all goes, but like that it all started with Monster Squad. Like they kind of did this thing with this suit that kind of revolutionized how these these kind of suits could be made. Right. Yep. That's the craziness of this movie. Like, so I think that's what got me when I was younger, the, just the realness of the movie. Like, it didn't seem... The way they did the mummy's makeup made it seem like that was a real mummy. Because it's like, there's no way somebody could fit into yeah. that to make it look I, like that. Yeah, it's it's weird. The mummy was a weird one for me because I knew there was a human in there. Mm-hmm. But... It was just the body was like really lanky and weird looking, and it was I it was really creepy how they brought that character to life, even right. with the teeth and like the you know they were glued on his like actually you know it's just like everything they did to make this mummy up was just was just awesome, right? I think uh who was it? Yeah, as once again uh, Gower says that. I think everyone discounts the mummy, but you need to look at it. It is amazing. Everyone looks at Creature and Wolfman, but I'm like, hey, have you looked at the other one? 
and it's true. Like if you look at that mummy, like the makeup is awesome, and it is right. creepy as hell. It is. And then he went on to share this story, saying, "I remember we were eating. It was Salisbury steak, and Michael, the guy who was in the mummy costume, couldn't mm-hmm. see to couldn't see to feed himself. So we sat there and fed him steak, moving the plastic fork around the bandages and out of the way so it wouldn't drip." We'd move from his fake teeth so he could eat a little food. And then I believe uh, Michael uh, Faustino, who played Eugene, ended up palling around with him and would give him drinks like soda with a straw. Oh, see. So even he, even even the, the mummy guy had a hard time mm-hmm. figuring life out while he was shooting that movie. <laughs> figuring out how, hard, man. how he's going to eat. Yeah, I mean... Plus, it had to be so hot. So they filmed it on the Warner Brothers set, which is like in downtown Burbank. Yeah. And it gets hot there during the summer. So it ha- they had For to real. be dying making that movie. It must have been like incredibly cool to see, to be on the set of a movie like this. Like these kids are there. They're spending time making this crazy movie about fighting monsters. And it just must have been a blast to be a it part had to of it. Like, dude. I would love to be on a set like this. Like, it just right. seems like it was just would be, like, so much fun. Yeah, and it seemed like those kids genuinely got along with each other. So it's just, like, hanging around with your pals, fighting real monsters. That, yeah. that had to be fun. Yeah, Gower also said in an interview, he said that seen like the explosions and stuff. Mm-hmm. Whoa, could you imagine that, right? He said, the experience of being on the set as an observer was amazing. The creature effects, the actors in the suits, and the explosions and things like that. Usually kids go to see it in the movie theater. They didn't get to see it really happen in reality like, like they did. Like, so you got to see like all this stuff. I've seen on-set explosion set mm-hmm. up and take place. When I used to work on the Paramount studio lot, usually when they do that, they send a memo out to the whole studio saying, Hey, there's going to be a, an explosion on the lot today. So don't be freaked out when it happens. Right. Of course, when they send out a memo like that, everyone is going to go to the place to where the explosion is <laughs> going to be so they can watch it. Cause everyone wants to see an explosion. Yes. And so uh, my friends and I, we ended up going there because, <laughs> you know, we wanted. <laughs> but it's pretty awesome to see an actual explosion set up and then executed while shooting a movie. It is it like the ground shakes. You feel the pulse in your chest from the explosion. It is awesome. So I can see why as a kid, like, and I was an adult when that happened, and that just, like, blew my mind. I was like, oh, man, I want to get into pyrotechnics now. Uh <laughs> But be, but seeing that stuff and being around that as a kid, man, that must have been awesome. It had to be. It had to be so cool. And, like, of course, you got to, you know, go around with a bow and arrow or whatever they had, you know, to fight monsters and be that kid that you've always wanted to be, to be the the hero in your... Yeah, exactly. And after seeing the movie, I wanted to start my own monster squad. Of course. I mean, who didn't? Well, I guess the people who didn't see Monster Squad, but... It's true. Yeah. But those of us who did, yeah, it was fantastic. And Shane Black's original draft of the script. Mm-hmm. 
he originally had like you know how we talked about how like amazing it was and it was great right mm-hmm. but in the first draft it was so much crazier <laughs> of course it was epic like they just went all out like they didn't have a care in the world right so mm-hmm. The original opening of the film had Van Helsing accompanied by zeppelins and hundreds of men on horseback storming Dracula's castle. Like I'm just seeing like when I hear when I when I read that it's like I see Lord of the Rings, right? The mm-hmm. epicness of Lord of the Rings with zeppelins, but with zeppelins in the air and this army of horse uh, on horsebacks riding to Dracula's castle. It just looks so amazing in my mind. Mm-hmm. No, it would have been great. It, but, but the reason obviously why they didn't do it is because the se- that one sequence would have cost more than the final budget of the film. <laughs> well, of course, but it would have been epic. It would have been so rad. Oh, it'd been cool. Just in my, just imagining it in my mind is just awesome. But what they did with what they had was exactly. fantastic. It ended up being a great opening. You know, it was... You got to take this whole movie with a little grain of salt. There's a lot of uh, campiness in this film, but that's what makes it so fantastic. Is- the, yeah. Well, and the movie also pays homage to a lot of the classic horror films. So there's that brief scene where Frankenstein meets Phoebe playing by the water. That is mm-hmm. obviously a homage to the scene from the original Frankenstein film. The way in which the scene plays out in this film, according to interviews that have been given, mm-hmm. it is more in line with the way Boris Karloff wanted to do the scene in the 1931 original. So this right. took the idea of what Boris Karloff wanted and implemented that into the scene, right. which I thought was great. Yep. I thought that was really cool. It was cool. And like it, it just shows that it's kind of like the newer Star Trek movies. If one specific scene had gone a different way, what would have happened? And yeah. that's kind of what happens in the Monster Squad. Another callback is during the montage with the Monster Squad getting ready to s- stop Dracula, Sean points at where Shadow Book Road is mm-hmm. on the map to show his friend Patrick where the mansion Dracula is hiding out in is. Right. On the other side of the map, it says Cheney College as location. Obviously, this is a homage to actor Lone Cheney Jr., who played uh, the Wolfman in Universal's original film. Yep, I saw that this time. Like, I, I didn't catch it before when I was younger, but now I saw it this time, and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. They're giving credit where credit is due because the original Wolfman movie freaked me out. <laughs> and and this one, I think this one had like the second best wolf change, Wolfman change out of all the Wolfman movies that we've seen. Yeah. Number one will always be an American werewolf in London. <sighs> that Yeah, well definitely that scene gonna, itself. Definitely gonna talk about that one. Yes. But I mean, but I did love just... Uncle Rico transforming into a werewolf. That was in that phone booth. That was good. But now we know why he's hiding out. In it's Idaho. funny. I always forget Uncle Rico's in this movie. <laughs> yeah, I watched it. And I'm like, that's right, Uncle Rico. Yeah, and he just plays a tragic character, man, because he doesn't want to be there. He wants to be I locked know. up. He wants to. Dude, and while we're on the same subject of that, mm-hmm. there's that scene at the end of the movie where Rudy 
gets the silver bullet out that he made, puts it in the mm-hmm. gun, and shoots right. the Wolfman. And it immediately cuts to Wolfman as a human. Right. And he's looking at him, and he's like, thank you, thank you. right? Yep. Rudy's like, he's a cool kid, right? He's supposed to quote the cool kid. Right. But he's also, he's a kid nonetheless. Right. And he just shot and killed a human being. <laughs> right. Right. Rudy's going to have therapy for a long time. Right. I know it was a monster. I get that. But like, he saw a human die. He didn't right. see a monster die. He saw like straight up Uncle Rico die. Die. And, and I think that's cool. See, I think Rudy is a really underrated character in this movie because it starts off, he won't allow bullies to pick on Horace in the very beginning. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And he starts off with that attitude. And then, of course, Horace hits him with, do you want to be a part of our monster club? And he's like, you know what? Cool. Like, he never plays the I'm too cool to hang out with these guys card. But he steps up, too. Like Always. He, he, he doesn't like, he's not like... Yeah, I'm a tough guy, but then gets scared and like, and runs later on. He's like a tough guy that like kind of stays his character. This tough kid that's like, you know what? I'm gonna step up. I'm gonna go kill these vampire vampirettes that are coming after me. <laughs> right, and that's the thing too is like he doesn't really believe it. He just, you know, even though everybody looks at him as a cool guy, he has no friends, and all of a sudden, all these kids are like, "Yeah, we're your buddy." And I love it, the moment when he realizes that he's actually a part of the squad. I know, he's like, one of the, he like turns out, looks at him, he's like, I am part of the monster squad. <laughs> I'm part of this, I, I just love it. It, it was going to be my quote, I'm, but I have a different one that this time hit me so hard I couldn't stop laughing. But it's, <laughs> um, when he turns around to Patrick and goes, I'm in the goddamn club, aren't I? <laughs> yep, you sure are, buddy. But yeah, I just think, I think they played that well. They played each character as real as you can get it. And that's including the harsh language that was used because at that time in, in that part of life, it was used then. Yeah. That was used to bring each other down. Yeah. Um, and which also needed to happen to Horace to have his level up. I mean, everybody, let's just say everybody, including Rudy started in the club at level 10. Horace was at one. Yeah. When he's in there, he did. You know, everybody's ready. Even Eugene. Eugene was ready to step up and go to action. Let's go to war. Yep. I mean, gosh darn creature took his Twinkie. But, like, to watch Horace go from zero to hero in a movie, it, it was one of the best arcs, in my opinion, in any movie I've seen. Because he gains that confidence. Yeah. And I, I just thought that was wonderful. They played that out well. Definitely. Uh, one other homage to the original... Movies, the original Universal movies, Dracula in particular, uh, were mm-hmm. the armadillos. So, <laughs> yeah, you got armadillos at the beginning as a reference to the original 1931 <laughs> Jack around. Dracula movie, just roaming around. Yep, that was fantastic. <laughs> yep, just, it, armadillos are from America, man. That's not a Transylvanian animal. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> so awesome. I'm just glad that they included it from the original movie to this one. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, in the original film, uh, we see the armadillos emerge from his coffin 
during the opening <laughs> sequence. <laughs> yep. And that was <laughs> armadillos. Yeah. Whenever I see an armadillo in a movie, though, I'm always like, mm-hmm. Dracula. <laughs> right, exactly. Two and two. Bats, no. Armadillos, yes. Yeah. Every time. Director Fred Decker had to cut 13 minutes out of the final cut of the film because the executives didn't want it to run more than 90 minutes. Yeah, I mean, but honestly, it didn't need any more runtime. Like, it was good the way it was. Like, no. Didn't, I, I didn't feel like I, we missed I don't anything. even know what those 13 minutes would have been. I couldn't find anything on them. But right. I'd be curious, but I obviously I didn't miss anything. I felt like right. I got a full movie, so I'm good. Exactly. Liam Neeson was paid for a little part in the what? movie that was never shot. Yeah, I guess they wanted to get Liam Neeson in this movie. They paid him to be in it, and then they never shot it. I, I, huh. I, would, I would love to know what that character was and who Liam Neeson would have played. I mean, it was a time where he wasn't a big actor yet, right? No, I so, think the, on, the only thing I knew him from was Krull. And that's it. Yeah. So He was reprising I, that character. I would love to know what they had planned for Liam Neeson and Monster Squad. We should get him on the phone. Let's call it Liam Neeson and see. What was that paycheck for, bud? And then... A whole scene from Taken will happen and we'll be dead. If I ever interview him, I'm going to ask that. Qu- that will be my first question. I'll just yes. be like, Monster Squad, who yes. are you supposed to play? <laughs> what did they pay you for, sir? Uh, Seth Green screen tested for a role in the movie and even read with Andre, who mm-hmm. was cast as Sean. Right. The two ended up becoming friends, but they never. Green never landed the role. No, but he did. He's been fine though. Yeah, I think we're, we're not. Okay. We're not worried about Seth Green. Yeah, yeah it I turned out all okay. right. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely did. The Wolfman's face was modeled after Stan Winston. That's cool. Which I thought was interesting. You can see it. Like I read that and then watched the movie. Then I'm like, looked at a picture of Stan Winston. I'm like, okay, I see what they did there. Andre Gower and Robbie Kiger were friends mm-hmm. in real life before they shot the movie. Oh, cool. And Gower campaigned to the producers to hire Kiger in the best friend role of Patrick. Okay. So that's how that happened. That's kind of cool. Dustin Diamond, the late actor who starred in Saved by the Bell as Screech, uh, was yep. cast in a small role as a kid who tries to trade baseball cards with the boys, but that scene was cut out. That must have been one of the 15 minutes that was cut from the movie. <laughs> right. Him and Liam Neeson. A couple other little bits of commentary that I want to add about the movie that I noticed when I watched it this time around, because we're start, we're going to start wrapping up here real quick, but just a couple of things that I didn't get to earlier that I wanted to discuss is, remember the part where the dad comes in and shoots Dracula? He like just mm-hmm. stands in front of Dracula and like just pulls the triggers like, right? Okay, yeah. Dracula's never hit. Nothing's hit. Huh. Like... They don't bounce off Dracula. They don't go through Dracula. Where did the bullets go, Billy? I want to know that's, where the bullets went. That's an ex- that's an excellent question. I really don't know. 
Plus, his wife comes walking through the door a minute later. Had the mm-hmm. wife walked through the door <laughs> a minute um, prior, she would have been dead. maybe dead? I don't know, because the bullets didn't go anywhere. Right, because you'd think they'd go into him, but they didn't make any effect. It was a weird, so. it, it was a weird thing. It's a weird mm-hmm. scene to watch, because he just sits there like five feet away from Dracula shooting him, and then nothing. Right, and I got to give him credit, man, because that guy... Did Dracula absorb the bullets? I guess so. Okay. But yeah. I didn't just... I didn't see them. Right. There's no, like, the clothes were fine on Dracula. Right. Nothing happened. Nothing but, I mean, happened. That's, just, but it, just one of those Maybe the clothes are magical. Maybe. Maybe. Because remember, when he turns from a bat to Dracula, they just appear. That's <laughs> true. So, Dracula yeah. is a very mystical, mysterious being. Actually, that's probably true because when you see his body, when he's dying and he's half bat, half Dracula, the amulet, the amulet that he wears around, like the necklace that he wears is uh-huh. visible on his, and like the clothes are visible on his shoulders, but he's bat from like waist down. So maybe. Well, now you crazy. just raised another question here, Billy. Yeah. Because yeah. he got pushed into that iron gate. Right, right, right. That that went through him and stuck in it, sticking out of his chest, right? Mm-hmm. That went through him. Right. That went through him. Mm-hmm. Where With did the bullets, bullets go? <laughs> Looks like we're going to have to have a whole other podcast on where did the bullets go. Because you're right. I didn't even think about that. But yeah. He's... Are they magic bullets? Right. I don't know. I'm Who very, knows? it was just one of those things that I watched and I'm like, Clearly, he has a physical body. Mm-hmm. Because they kill him. Exactly. Later. Yep. Where did the bullets go, Billy? I'm going to lose sleep over this one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Then you've got... When they find out that the virgin isn't a virgin... Right. And they have to have a virgin say the spell, they bring... And Phoebe, the little girl, right? Right. And I thought it was funny because her brother's like, she's only five years old. She can't read, right? Right. He right. like complained about it. When moments before, the, the teenage girl couldn't read it either. <laughs> <laughs> but remember, she took German in high school. <laughs> I said that was funny that she could barely read what was going on right and that that was all of a sudden now it's going to pose a problem because a five-year-old is going to actually read it better than she did right right which was funny Uh, funny. i also have to bring this up billy and we're going to kind of end it on this because this is the best and worst movie marketing ever oh my gosh the wanted posters the monster wanted posters. Oh my gosh. I do not know. <laughs> it's insane. How they got away from even in the eighties, I don't know how they got away with this. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh, yes. They were horrible. So these wanted posters that they posted up to market this movie. Mm-hmm. It's insane. And I know you've seen them, but <laughs> I'm gonna read. Nuts. I'm gonna I'm gonna read what these 
these wanted posters say. So on the Dracula one, it says, felony neck biting, unlawful blood sucking, and assault and battery. <laughs> the dash in between. Assault mm-hmm. and battery, right? Okay. Yes. Then you got the mummy one. Mm. This one's just horrible. I can't believe this. I mean, it's already assault and battery is already bad. But then you've got interstate flight to avoid burial, armed bandage, (laughs) statutory wrap. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Whoa. And this was the advertising folks. They're trying to get kids to go see this movie. Statutory wrap. But. I don't need, yeah, that's, <laughs> it okay. just, it, it, it's so funny that, that this actually got through marketing. Right. I honestly and don't remember seeing these before mm-hmm. I saw the movie. I don't have any recollection of seeing these posters, but this was a part of the big marketing for the film. Right. Horrible. So crazy. But with all, everything said and done. Can I ask you, and you could be honest with me on this. Sure. At the end of the movie, did you almost cry? Yeah, of course. And But then you got to think of like, but it also goes along with kind of everything that's happening, all that we know about the movie now because of actor Brent Challam who played Horace, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So he tragically, in 1997, passed away. He got uh, pneumonia, went to the hospital. The doctors gave him a wrong prescription, and Mm -hmm. it messed him up, put him in a coma, and that was it. That's so sad. Yep. And it's so sad because he doesn't get to see or experience the resurgence of the Monster Squad because that all happened after he passed. Right. Like, in 97, <clears throat> the Monster Squad was pretty much a forgotten film. For a, a, There were only a few people out there, I think, a handful of fans that remembered it as kids, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And, you know, it wasn't even until, like, the early 2000s where it started to actually gain some momentum again. Right. It's, it is truly tragic. Like, he didn't get to see every film festival that has, you know, the actors back and show screenings of the monster squad. He doesn't get to be there to be, see it happen. Yeah. But I mean, it kind of, but it's cool in the documentary though. Wolfman's got nards. They, they have like, when they do screenings, you get the whole crowd, like kind of paying tribute to him when they all like, Wolfman's got nards. You know, it's the it's the part of the movie that everyone cheers at. It's like such a great happy scene. Or it was, it or is. even when Horace cocks cocks the the shotgun. shotgun. My name is Horace. Yes. <sighs> Fantastic. Well, I hope we're encouraging more people to see this movie. It n- if you're listening to it, I'm sure you've already seen it. But if you haven't watched it in a while, go watch it again. Show it, it to someone a, that hasn't seen it. Go, right. go show it to somebody that has not seen the movie. Introduce them to the Monster Squad, to this magical, monstrous film from the 80s. 
it's a weirdly uplifting and comforting movie where you wouldn't think it would be. <laughs> I know. You know what I mean? Just watching it. I started watching it again, waiting for you to set up your equipment. I just started it over again. Oh, nice. Just to get through it. I, yeah, I mean, it's something that needs to be brought onto a, a today's generation. Now, when I watched the documentary for this, mm-hmm. yes. they brought up an interesting question that I never really thought of before. Okay. Cult film or classic film? Now, uh, yes. I always ref- I've always referred to the Monster Squad as a classic. Yes. That's where I kind of stand on the matter, that this is a classic movie. But a lot of people feel like it has a, more of a cult status, this small, loyal fan base for a film that didn't do well when it first came out in theaters. What do you stand on this? So this this question I had to think about because... Like you, because you and I grew up talking about this film, I never thought of it as a cult movie because it didn't feel like a small group. It felt like my best friend knows about this. Yeah. So everyone must know about this. It didn't It didn't click until we watched the documentary that I was like, oh, crap. It was a cult movie for a long time. Yeah. And now all of us that loved it are giving it to our generations, our younger generations and now it's become a classic so i hope i hope we influence more to to keep it going i don't know if it'll ever be rocky horror picture show kind of status but being able to share it with others that that sounds that sounds good to me agreed yes so do you have any quotes that you love from the movie there's tons dude so many quotes I've been quoting this movie all throughout this thing, and there's a lot of great quotes in it, but one that I haven't mentioned yet that, that just, it's very funny that it honestly makes me laugh is when Sean says, <laughs> Yes, I knew you were going to say it. Go. <laughs> if we pull this off, I'm going to shit. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Because. <laughs> it's one of those things that I just want to say all the time it when is. I'm in a situation. <laughs> if we pull this off, even I'm going shit. If it, even if it's not like a big deal, like, hey, we're buying tickets to go see Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. If we pull this off, I'm going to shit. <laughs> <laughs> just buying movie tickets. Yeah. It's yeah. one of those quotes you can use all over the place and have fun with. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, I knew you were going to use that one. Oh, fantastic. Okay, so that one and the other one is just because it's coming out of the mouth of a five-year-old in context and with urgency, the other one that I love that cracks me up every time is, it's Frankenstein, guys. He's our friend. Come on, guys, don't be chicken shits. <laughs> Yes. Phoebe yelling at the boys as they all go hide while I she holds. I do love that. I do yeah. love that. He calls, the, he calls the boys chicken shits. That was great. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. That was a great one, for sure. Yeah, these these guys, man. Um, should it be remade? Maybe. I've Now, there has been talk of a series. Okay. I don't know where that is at. I know 
the original creative team were working on it years ago. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anything's happened with it though. That's but dude, I don't know where that's at. And if if they were able to do it as like a continuation, not a reboot, mm-hmm. but like here's where the characters are now and kind of continue the story with a new generation. I'd be open to that. I'd be open to that. Right. But remaking the movie? No, 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 no. Okay. It couldn't because it'd lose all the charm. I don't know. And Like it or not, it's the 80s. And and there's I know there's like a lot of offensive stuff in it, but it's, the 80s, yeah. it's all part of that 80s charm. I think that's the only reason I want it remade is to take out certain parts. But like... Anything that happens to Horace, I don't think should be taken out because that's what pushes him to be the man at the end. Like yeah. He's, he's been stepped on, but he knows in the beginning, you see it right away when Rudy's around, he knows he's safe. He's got backup. If they were to do something with Monster Squad the way that Cobra Kai is doing what they did with the Karate Kid, right? that would be great. Perfect. Let's do that. I if they were able to like kind of spin this into that that kind of series like not yep. like I'm not saying like exactly like that but I'm saying like kind of just the feel just taking that feel of the tone of the original film and then mm-hmm. placing that in modern day like how would that look that's that's what I'm saying I think that would be fun and you've I mean the guys who play the roles still look good they're young yeah. enough that you, man yep who do we need to talk to? I'm going to call Andre Gower tonight and just be like, look, bro. Okay. I'll call, I'll call Fred Decker and Shane Black. Do it. Okay. Would, yep. <laughs> yep. We're on it. All right, guys. I think we pretty much covered Monster Squad pretty well. I hope we did. I really hope we do it justice. I, I know. Like, I was really scared about doing this one because it's such a great film. It's one of my all-time favorites. I didn't want it screw it up so i hope that uh, i really hope we didn't yeah but we're gonna keep going i had no fun talking what. about it though it was great absolutely absolutely it's great i really hope you guys enjoyed it please if there's any of those movies on your plate that you're like this monster squad is great i have something equal to let us know we'll i guarantee you we've seen it and we want to talk about it but yes we're not stopping. We've got we've got hundreds of movies on the list, and we're ready to go. So, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, like, subscribe to the podcast, share it with others, watch Monster Squad. Go do all it. All that. Just remember at GT Secret Level. Yes. Twitter, Facebook. Do it. Leave reviews. No one's leaving reviews. Or no, people are leaving reviews. Never mind. That's good. Keep leaving good reviews. Uh, we like that. that anyway, mean, please. Thank you, everybody. We appreciate it. Uh, We hope you all have a wonderful day, wonderful night, wonderful afternoon. Whenever you're listening to this, stuck in traffic, not stuff interactive. Uh, Just hanging out at home on an airplane. Where else could you be listening to this? In hell? Maybe in hell. Heaven? Maybe you might be in heaven listening to this. I don't know. Limbo? Limbo. Yeah. Limbo. All right, everybody. Take care. Thank you. And good day. All right. Well, we made it through, bud. We did. Creature stole my Twinkie.
creature stole my Twinkie. Yeah, they all made it in. I'm very happy about that. 